As the popularity of the My Plans 2020 meme can attest, 2020 hasn't exactly panned out like any of us expected, least of all Tesla CEO Elon Musk. With a growing anti-lockdown movement afoot, Musk has positioned himself as one of the more unlikely faces of resistance against measures to suppress the spread of COVID-19. Although the arguably anti-science turn is a new twist, his defiance won't surprise anyone who's followed Elon Musk's career, which has been built on challenging assumptions for better or worse. Is the power of the electric age fueling Musk's combative fire? By vowing to reopen his California electric car plant against the lockdown orders of local government, Elon Musk not only reminds us of his defiant nature, but what stifling the production of Teslas could mean for the coming decade of electric cars. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about Elon Musk's antagonistic rise to power. As COVID-19 tests society's resilience, the measures put in place to slow the spread of the virus has tested Elon Musk's patience. As he becomes an unapologetic force of resistance against the government, we look at the public battles that have long defined the Tesla CEO through three pivotal fights. Our second story looks at Musk's competitive playing field in the race to the future of driving. As we look ahead to the electric age, it's easy to see why restarting car production is crucial for Elon Musk. From solar-charged cars to autonomous Cybertrucks, the most groundbreaking electric cars are poised to turn a corner and define the 2020s. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, how Elon Musk's penchant for fighting helped his rise to power and continues to fuel his success. Elon Musk facing off with the SEC over contempt charges. The tweet about taking Tesla private at $420 prompted the SEC to launch an investigation. Musk has denied that he meant to call a British cave diver a pedophile when he dubbed the guy pedo guy on social media. Moving to a Manhattan courtroom today, this is a person the board of Tesla has been unable to control. He continues to just kind of like do his own thing. Tesla CEO Elon Musk, a new infectious disease expert, weighing in here on the coronavirus this afternoon tweeting the coronavirus panic is dumb. One thing is clear, nobody has been able to steal headlines in a moment of crisis quite like Elon Musk. For better or worse, his career has been built on breaking barriers, surpassing limits and challenging the norm. During an earnings call in April 2020, Musk called the shelter-in-place orders in California and throughout the U.S. fascist actions that are stripping people of their freedom. The shelter-in-place, frankly, I would call it forcibly imprisoning people in their homes against all their constitutional rights. What the fuck? While the political turn shakes things up, incendiary comments like these won't surprise anyone who has followed Musk's career. So, to better understand what his possible political turn might look like, we break it down with three critical fights. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of the world. Please take your seats. Round one, Elon Musk versus the Air Force. After founding SpaceX in 2003, Elon Musk soon realized that the United Launch Alliance would be a serious competitor, and in 2006, tried to sue to break up its hold on the market. Here he speaks more about the issue. The launch business, there was a duopoly. You know, it's really just a situation of um, that they're, they're attacking the only threat that, they, that, that they've ever seen. 
By 2014, with its ability to produce rockets cheaper than the ULA, SpaceX filed a formal bid protest against the Air Force, saying the company will lose the opportunity to compete for business. It paid off. Come January 2015, SpaceX and the Air Force settled, and now SpaceX makes hundreds of millions of dollars on Air Force contracts. On to round two, Elon Musk versus the SEC. Talking business on social media proved to have some immediate drawbacks, as one infamous tweet led the Securities and Exchange Commission to file charges against Elon Musk for breaking SEC rules, then for violating a settlement agreement. The commission, of course, took Mr. Musk to task over a 2018 Twitter post in which he said he had funding secured to take Tesla private at $420 a share. A settlement was eventually reached after an epic war of words that ultimately removed Musk as chairman of Tesla's board. Musk's comments for the press as he entered a Manhattan courthouse for the hearing perhaps sums up his feelings on the SEC's complaint centered on his Twitter use. I have great respect for the justice system. and I. I think the judges uh, in the American system are, are outstanding. What about the SEC? Yeah, your thoughts on that? <laughs> Round three involves Elon Musk and some crisis control. Musk has several times offered to help in moments of global turmoil. One incident led to an infamous lawsuit where he called Vernon Unsworth a pedophile for criticizing Musk's idea of building a tiny submarine to help the effort. In the end, Musk prevailed in court but not without some PR damage in the aftermath. Here to help us understand how these colorful public fights continue to help define Elon Musk's path to an ambitious and defiant future is Associate Entertainment Editor for Innovation at Inverse, David Grossman. Hey, David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tanya, how you doing? Yeah, this is a great um, breakdown of one of the core traits that seems to define Elon Musk, you know, this unapologetic path he takes in seeing his goals through. We saw this in particular through his bouts with the ULA and the Air Force. Can you explain how this battle in particular highlights how a lot of his success stems from fighting the power? Sure. So this fight started um, really at the beginning of Musk's company. It's important to understand the ULA was essentially the old guard of private space in America. It was Boeing and Lockheed Martin. They combined forces to just say, we're going to stop fighting. We'll just run this ourselves. And right after SpaceX founded, Elon Musk was trying to go after these contracts called EELV, which were essentially the Air Force's and the military's attempt to have an independent space program outside of NASA. Pretty shortly after SpaceX was founded, Elon Musk sued, SpaceX sued, to try to stop um, ULA from even forming. But a judge threw that out, saying that SpaceX wasn't, you know, a serious enough competitor yet to have suffered any damages from their monopoly um, on these contracts, so it wasn't valid. So then flash forward several years later to 2014, Elon Musk goes to Congress, very much saying we want the right to compete. And ULA, they were able to push off for a little bit, but Musk sued again the next month, uh, SpaceX sued, and this time they were able to settle in January 2015. And uh, the Air Force essentially opened itself up ever since then. That's been the standard. And now SpaceX has, is competing for these contracts. But that competition really wouldn't have happened unless Musk had very aggressively challenged this old guard. Right. This um, MO seems to work for him. You know, none of 
these public fights seem to harm his reputation or professional career all that much. One thing that got a little sticky, though, was the infamous Tesla going private tweet of 2018. How do you think that changed things or how do you see Musk's jabs and actions in this case fueled this M.O. and in a way, you know, took on a life of its own at the time? I think the Tesla stock tweet is a great example of Elon Musk taking something on without provocation. In this, of course, when he tweeted in 2018, am considering taking Tesla private at four at four hundred twenty dollars uh, funding secured. That tweet signaled so many bells and alarms at the SEC among his stock among his stockholders among the board of directors. It kind of signaled like what is this guy doing? Why is he doing this? It makes no sense. And this also came amidst Musk acting oddly, um, you know, smoking marijuana on the Joe Rogan podcast. To say it was a true loss for him is a little hard, is a little hard because, you know, he's still head of Tesla and people, some people wanted him out of Tesla. He's still the CEO there, but he was removed as the chairman of the board of directors and he was fined $10 million. And I believe Tesla was also fined $10 million for a combination of $20 million. So, you know, it's an, a real example of like, why would you do this? Why would you step, you know, step your foot into this when there's absolutely no need to. Right. And again, you know, we see these same kind of actions in motion time and again, while he seems to prevail, things again, get messy. We saw this with the Thai rescue incident, right, where Musk called someone a pedophile after basically being accused of falling short in his effort to help this cause, to help these boys. Musk prevailed in court, but not without some unfortunate drawbacks. Again, is it ultimately a win when you account for the public hit? A number of boys who are on a youth soccer soccer team could be rescued from an underground cave. Elon Musk jumps in, offering uh, to build a tiny submarine. And essentially he's told by the Thai government, thanks but no thanks. Then a guy named Vernon Unsworth, who quite heroically helped save um, some of the boys in the cave. He looks at this submarine and he gives it a hard no, calling it worthless. So then Musk responds on Twitter by calling him a pedophile. Unsworth decides to sue for defamation. A jury in Los Angeles found that Musk uh, had not met that standard. So while he won that case, um, to the surprise of many, it's hard to come out of that swelling like Rose's. I mean, I definitely think he burned a lot of goodwill. Right. Having said that, his M.O. seems to uh, remain intact. Those are the three fights in a nutshell that might help define Elon Musk. David has more at Inverse.com along with the very latest happenings. In the meantime, David, thanks so much. My pleasure, Tanya. Thank you so much. It's the push toward the electric age that could change driving as we know it within the next 10 years. Up now, the car makers ready to make a splash and the EV technology that could make the 2020s the decade of the electric vehicle. Society only tolerates one change at a time. The first time I tried to change the world, I was hailed as a visionary. Second time, 
I was asked politely to retire. <laughs> Electric models of days past most certainly have been targeted at niche markets, but that could all change within the next 10 years. Faster charging, cheaper batteries, and huge strides in EV technology could make the 2020s the decade of the electric vehicle, and there's no shortage of car makers ready to make a splash. Inverse's Mike Brown joins the show in a moment to talk about our top picks for the electric age. For a sampling, we begin in Italy with the Battista Anniversario, thank you very much, celebrating Pininfarina at 90. Made in Italy, this luxurious EV claims to be the most powerful sports car ever designed. Here, Paolo Pininfarina, chairman of the company, explains the personal tribute to his grandfather in the 90th anniversary year of the famous Italian design house. My grandfather, he was always a little bit unsatisfied. The target of this car that is to be the best Italian electric car ever. They're only releasing five of these cars, and it will take several weeks for artists to paint them by hand. Heading over to the Netherlands, that's where the Lightyear One came to be, we have an electric car that's poised to be the first solar-powered car you can buy. Cue the cool car music from the official video, and we're off. You can see that everyone is positive about the car. People really like the design. They see in a moment's notice that it's something special and they're interested. Good to be here and it's nice to be on the trip where you can actually feel that you're making a change. That was Lightyear CEO and co-founder Lex Hoofsloot. He says the first prototype of the Lightyear One was set to be delivered to consumers in 2021. Again, solar panels cover its roof and hood. There is a lot to unpack here. Luckily, we have Inverse's Mike Brown on hand to help us sort through all the hype, all the specs, and all the innovative weirdness to go around. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you doing? All right? Good, good. So a common theme here is luxury. There are some splashier efforts to get fancy here. As I mentioned before, the Automobile Peninfarina um, with its Batista Anniversario. That in the name itself sets a high bar, but it's exclusive, but also very powerful. This is this big anniversary edition expected to make a big mark. What's the story here? So yeah, the uh, um, Batista Anniversario, um, this is, it has to be said, a very, very exclusive vehicle. Uh, they're only planning to make five of these, even down to the paint. They have uh, three colors. They have a series of uh, skilled artisans at their workshop that take three weeks to paint each car. And it really goes to show how uh, electric and uh, desirability are no longer seen as in contrast with each other. Right. And as you write, this next decade can certainly lend itself to that if expectations are in order. Another high-end car with a romantic sounding name, uh, the Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo. Why is this a big deal for Porsche? They've got a lot of hype behind this EV. What's, uh, what's been going on? Yeah, so people are really interested in uh, what's going on with Porsche's efforts. There's there's a lot of showdowns between uh, Tesla's uh, high-end performance vehicles and uh, the Porsche Taycan. It's all about trying to get those um, like incredibly fast lap times. You see them whizzing around the Nürburgring. What kind of sets this apart is uh, it takes the uh, original 
Taycan design and puts it into a more sort of rugged body. Um, so it was originally known as the uh, Mission E. And uh, this is really a vehicle that's going to uh, take what the uh, Taycan was uh, making a name for itself and bringing it to a uh, whole new market. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see in terms of uh, performance and pricing. I encourage listeners to check out all the pictures. Uh, we have at Inverse. I was just a little bit distracted <laughs> taking a look at it. There's this batch of futuristic electric pickups that are coming down the line. Let's start with the Rivian R1T. It's been called the Patagonia brand for electric cars. What's coming down the pike in the uh, next decade? Yeah, so uh, this has a uh, projected cost of uh, $69,000. It has a uh, wading depth of over three feet. Um, It has a uh, driving range of over 400 miles. And uh, I think when when we talk about range, it's about sort of answering those concerns about, like, can this replace my uh, existing vehicle or am I going to have to keep a gas guzzler on the side? Right, that's a huge point. And speaking of huge, another enormous truck, the GMC Hummer. I stress the word enormous. What can we expect from GMC by way of a Hummer, by way of an electric car as well? This really got everybody talking. Small amount that we know so far, it uh, offers uh, 15,000 uh, pound feet of torque. So that means that uh, you know it's going to offer an impressive amount of uh, power behind it. And uh, hopefully that means it will live up to its brand name. Um, we'll have to wait and see though in terms of uh, real-world performance. Yeah, and we've talked about it before, the uh, Tesla Cybertruck. Listeners can check out our previous podcast on it. We devoted a whole show to it. It's angular. It definitely wins for weirdest-looking and futuristic presentation. I think it's going to be one of the biggest deals. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's a lot of hype around it, and this thing really turns heads. I mean, uh, it looks like something that stepped out of a, uh, you know, 90s video game or something. But, uh, yeah, it's got this uh, cold-rolled 30X steel exterior. It's been compared to an exoskeleton. Quite a dramatic sort of change from what you're used to seeing on the street. And uh, I think Tesla knows it. They're very much playing up to this idea that this is going to be something that doesn't look like anything else. On the road. I have to say, in second place for really catching my attention after the Cybertruck is this Volkswagen ID Buzz. It's like the future housed in the past. I, I see this electric hipster van as this dark horse in the running for this really hype worthy next wave of cars. What do, what do you make of, uh, of this, uh, this old meets new? Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I think this is a um, fascinating vehicle to look at. I mean, uh, you, you really have to take in the side by side comparison and they've got with the uh, old versus new. And I think they know that they're onto something cool here. Like people know the hippie van, they uh, know what it looks like and what it represents. And uh, this new one is uh, supposed to pack uh, semi-autonomous driving. You've got this uh, upgraded um, conversion for an old car. And I think Volkswagen knows that uh, they're on something impressive here. Mm-hmm, for sure. Speaking of something a little bit different um, than the normal foray into futuristic cars, there's uh, this solar power effort. The Lightyear One seems to have this special feature locked up as far as the tech goes. What can we expect uh, from this, uh, what is it, this startup from the Netherlands? 
this is basically taking the electric car and uh, bringing it to the next level is uh, how do we cut the cord really you know you, you can picture like driving one of these uh, solar power cars out to uh, you know remote location knowing that the car's going to be charging itself while you're out there so that's uh, that's that's pretty unbelievable if you see the car it basically the rear of it is uh, kind of covered in solar panels that sort of like move upwards through the whole roof so uh, they've really tried to find as many places as possible to put them i think i think this is very exciting like the idea that you could just leave your car in the sun and it can move further what it all comes down to for a lot of us i mean it's probably not what it all comes down to but there's something to be said about a cool interface we want that revolutionizing in-car experience and the byton mbyte brings this kind of smartness to the world of cars that uh maybe uh we're itching for yes exactly um and this is uh is quite unbelievable really it's a 48 inch uh giant touchscreen uh moving across the dashboard and uh you know they have these uh images of how it looks and it's essentially like sitting in front of a I'm not quite sure, like a very elongated tablet or uh, some sort of TV screen. And then we also have a uh, another screen in the steering wheel. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just screens all the way down. It's um, it's quite something. But uh, we'll, shall, uh, we shall have to see what it's like to sit in front of this giant screen and drive down the road. <laughs> Don't know if it's going to be like an information overload. Um, that's my question, really. That's another thing to consider this next decade. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a long 10 years. So uh, things should get interesting. But this was a really cool look at what's coming down the line. Listeners, again, can check it out at inverse.com. Very visual piece. A lot of the cars are really cool. So, Mike, thank you for filling us in. This was a fascinating look at uh, some cool stuff. No problem. Thank you. Head to inverse.com to read more about the technology paving the way to the future. You can click on the link in the show notes for that story and all others we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating on iTunes to help people find the abstract and more podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.